This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu, uh, speaking to you after Toronto Raptors defeated the Boston Celtics by a score of 118-95 to on national TV. It was... Uh, one of those TNT players only games. So had a lot of attention in this game, obviously, between, uh, you know, the Raptors, who are one of the best teams in Eastern Conference, and, uh, you know, just the Boston Celtics, who are marginally better than the Nets at this point. I mean, um, I would uh, I would have very much liked to have done another slander podcast with Assad, but Assad is very tired after his uh, run. But he did issue a statement, and that is that uh, Assad would have been on this podcast, but he doesn't slander bum ass teams, which, you know, I think that's a, that's a fair statement by Assad. And I think, you know, looking at the Boston Celtics and the way they played tonight, I mean, they did not look very good whatsoever. So, um, you know, I, I felt good coming into this game. Um, I know the Raptors have been scuffling a little bit, but like the Celtics literally lost to the Chicago Bulls by double digits. Um, and so, you know, it's one thing to, like, lose the Magic. It's like, all right, cool, whatever, the Magic, you know, they're doing all right. Although they lost the Knicks today, I I, I don't know. The, the basketball doesn't really make sense to me. Um, You know, but it's one thing to lose the Magic, who are, like, a decent club. They might make the playoffs, who knows. Um, They have the unstoppable Nick Vucevic, apparently. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Celtics had lost to the Bulls, and so uh, they're, just, they're just a sloppy team. And when they don't play at TD Garden and they don't get some of the home whistles that they get, it's a real different uh, 
<laughs> they look real different. They look real different. And um, the first quarter, actually, you know, it was a pretty good game or early on. I mean, uh, I was a little bit worried because Kyle's missed some open shots. Um, and, you know, the, the Celtics, they were getting a lot of offense, even though Kyrie Irving wasn't doing much of the scoring, which always concerns me a little bit. Like, um, obviously, Kyrie is a threat, but it's really... Um, you know, the rest of that team is sort of hit or miss. And so for them to have been scoring well, that was a little bit of concern. It was 32-30 for the Celtics after the first quarter. However, all the concerns went away in the second quarter when the Celtics put in their bench. And their bench is so bad. It's a bad bench. Um, they need Gordon Hayward to, like, actually be a good player. Uh, not just a max player, but just a good player, right? And uh, he just he doesn't have it in him to do it. And they were playing guys like Daniel Tice. I mean, he was... I mean, he was trash. Um, Terry Rozier straight up couldn't dribble a basketball. That was that was hard to watch. Uh, you know, if you were a Celtics fan, if you're a Raptors fan, you'd love to see it. Jalen Brown actually did some pretty good things, but you know, him alone is not going to make a difference. And uh, yeah, the Raptors ripped off an 18 to nothing run to start the second quarter to firmly take control of the game. Um, a couple of main characters in that run. Uh, Norman Powell actually had a really, really good stretch in that second quarter there. I mean, I've been getting hard on Powell just because um, it's been really disappointing to watch him regress to bad habits in recent games um, after a really, really strong stretch, and he's got a lot of love on this podcast. But Powell today, I mean, this is this is a great performance by him. Um, 11 points. I think all of them came in the... Uh, in the second quarter there, and a lot of that was just playing off of a Gasol, which is something that's always baffled me. Like, I think, I don't know, maybe because of all the changes with Gasol and then coming in and Powell decided, you know what, I got to assert myself a little bit more and score. And, like, whenever he tries to do that, it always fails. It really does always fail. But um, Powell was able to play off of Gasol. Gasol got him a couple of catch-and-shoot threes. Powell was able to reposition himself, get open, actually hit some shots, um, and, you know, occasionally working a high pick and roll with Gasol again. I mean, Gasol is going to be a guy that's going to help all these guys. Anyone that plays with Gasol is going to get helped because he is such a nice team player. He's a very clever player, good screener as well, you know, stretches the floor. So there's, a, you know, not as much help at the rim. Like, Gasol is going to help everybody on the floor. And so, you know, I norm, it's really just up to Norm to sort of accept that help. Today he really did accept that help and he played really well. The other guy that played really well was Pat McCaw, who, look, he only had six points. He had five fouls in 13 minutes, 207 shooting. But this man's energy, um, I think, really just it, – it's hard to say with him. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, he just – he's so tenacious defensively. And, and it's not like the kind of in-your-face type of, like, Tony Allen, like, clapping in your face saying, like, first-team all-defense. You know, like, McCaw is pretty reserved, but he's just always there, and he's so quick, and he's so long, and he's so thin. Like, it's it's almost funny. He's so thin that it, it's it's very hard to screen this man. He just, like, ra- like warps around screens, and he's always there. And there was one possession where McCaw, in the second quarter, and I was highlighting the broadcast, too, and I'm, I'm happy they showed a replay because, like, you know, good defensive play deserves replays just as much as good offensive plays. But, um... McCaw, he helped off of his man in the in the left corner to Rogier. Rogier was sort of like losing his dribble a little bit, and so McCaw came over to pressure him. Now Rogier did eventually recover his dribble, started swinging the ball to the weak side. Uh, McCaw then goes to the top of the perimeter, like you know, he like temporarily covers the man there. Then he goes into the right corner, uh, and then he executes a switch with OG. So then McCaw ends up in the post, whereas OG comes out to the perimeter. Then the I, don't, I forget who it was, maybe Marcus Morris or whatever, tried to do a post up, 
or Jalen Brown. Um, and McCaw then helps off of his man once again on that same possession to force a turnover, and the Raptors go the other way and score. And it's like, McCaw, he, he's got something there. He really does have something. And and also, he's got some blazing quickness in terms of just off the dribble going to the basket. Um, I still think he's like a negative on offense right now. Uh, and it's it's not great to play him and Powell at the same time together just because the shot creation between the two of them is kind of iffy uh, versus the type of shooting that they have. But, you know, McCaw's interesting. He really is interesting. And I, and I really would like to see him sort of um, be maintained. I mean, he's only on a minimum contract or whatever. The Raptors don't ever have too much recourse to actually re-sign him. Um, they don't have much control over his future. But, I mean, even in a couple of months that he spent on the Raptors, you know, he's sort of been a very muted character, but uh, he's always been solid defensively, and today I think was his best defensive performance. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would like to see him grow more confident on offense and, and sort of, you know, have the Raptors be the place he grows at because, I, you know, the Raptors have done a really good job of developing players recently, and I think McCaw might be one of those guys where when he first came in, I remember that first game he played against the Suns, I was like, what, who, what, what, what is he doing here? But then... You know, over time, like, he's he's really grown comfortable, and he's had some good moments. So, second quarter, he was a big part of that 18-0 run. Kyle Lowry is a big part of it. Gasol, um, you know, it was it was all it was all happening. Once they rolled out that 18-0 run, I think the Celtics just, I don't know, they look kind of pissed off and surly. Like, I guess that's probably been the story with the Celtics all year. Like, you know, they're just not cohesive. And, um, yeah, I mean, they kind of just never made a run. Like, they kind of made, like, the Celtics are really famous for making these, like, big comebacks. And it's sort of what they do best. Like when they're in, you know, there's adversity, and then all of a sudden they decide to actually play team basketball and they start sharing it, uh, starting playing some defense. Like they have a lot of potential, but that only ever happens at TD Garden in Toronto. I mean, they came out in the third quarter. They got a couple offensive rebounds. You know, they they put together like a five zero run. Nick Nurse saw that three minutes into the first half or sorry, the second half. Nick Nurse sees that his team is a little bit sluggish. Calls timeout. Gets his team re- like just just straightens everyone out. And uh, the Raptors just cruise from there. Um, you know, they end up winning the third quarter, 29-23. It's a complete blowout. It's a total blowout. By the end of the game, you got, like, Malcolm Miller's in there uh, shooting threes. It's great to see that he's back from injury. You know, a great gesture by the Raptors to keep him, by the way. Because, you know, they wouldn't. a lot of teams just wouldn't do that. Like, a G League guy gets hurt or whatever. It's like, all right, you're on your own. But the Raptors really rewarded him and came in, hit a three. Jody Meeks comes in, hits some jumpers. I like Jody. I like Jody. He's he's uh he's got a scorer's mentality for sure, and he knows how to, what he's doing. Like he really does. Like when he comes off the curl on the screen, like you know he he makes a really tight curl around the screen. He's he's either going to the basket or he's flaring out to the perimeter. Like he, he's doing smart things that the Raptors could really use. Um, you know, you got uh, Chris Boucher coming in airballing a three, you know, and then blowing on his hands. That was kind of hilarious to watch. Two blocks in five minutes because, of course, that's what this man does. And also a transition dunk where he gets Pascal and the rest of the bench off their feet in garbage time. And uh, all that happening on national TV, baby. The the the, uh, the dismantling of the Boston Celtics. It was, it was a really fun game to watch. It really, really was. Uh, the energy in the crowd was really electric. You know, they could, you know, it, you definitely felt like there was a sense of the moment. And uh, the Raptors put in a really good performance, you know? It's just kind of like last year when the Ra- when the Raptors, uh, I wouldn't say they were scuffling a little bit, because the Raptors really didn't have any moments last year of, of adversity until the playoffs. But um, there was also that game where the Celtics came in to Toronto. I think that was in February. This one was in March. Or this one, I guess, also in February. That was in early February. And uh, I think the Raptors beat them by 22 points. Like The, the bench was incredible. 
defensively, they were incredible, and the same thing happened tonight. So it's nice to see uh, things repeated a year after. In terms of a couple individual players, um, Pascal was really good. I would say that he was – this. I'll give up the stars in a second, but Pascal is really good. Um, one thing the Celtics have done really well uh, this season against the Raptors is guard Pascal Siakam. Siakam, um, you know, I mean, he's had great games against a lot of teams, but the Celtics have sort of, A, been really uniquely uh, equipped to guard Siakam. They got a lot of big wing guys who, you know, can sort of uh, give Siakam trouble because they're also long and they're also quick, and so there's not necessarily an advantage for Siakam to score on. Um, but also they've been just doing really well in terms of just like, they would leave him wide open from three and just completely ignore him. I remember like the first time the Raptors played the Celtics, which was, I think the the second game of the season, um, that was the double block chase down block, which was still incredible. But, um, yeah, I remember for portions of the game, like the Raptors actually benched Siakam in favor of OG so they can get more shooting in the game at that four spot because, um, you know, Pascal's man was helping out so much in the perimeter that it was affecting sort of the Raptors' paint game. And, um, you know, the Celtics tried that same strategy tonight, but, I mean, I must have not got the memo because Pascal recently has been on fire from the corners. He has, he has his corner three-point shooting is, I think, over like 40% on both corners now, which is really incredible for a guy who, you know, just really couldn't shoot. He just flat out couldn't shoot. Like, he had that little baseline mid-range jumper when he first came in as a rookie, but that man could not shoot threes at all. Um, and today, uh, he goes four or five from deep. And in the first quarter, he hit three corner threes in the first quarter alone. And the Raptors are on. And, and it's like there's so much confidence in Pascal. Like, as much as confidence as Pascal has in himself, like, the Raptors have – his teammates have a lot of confidence in him as well. There's one play where it's a transition opportunity. I think it was like two on one, maybe three on one. Kyle Lowry is going to the basket. He has a layup. Like there was like a shot contest there, but he was definitely going to score over the layup. Uh, He's going to score the, over the contest and hit the layup. But you know, instead of doing that, he actually kicks out to a wide open Pascal. And like it, I mean, honestly, I'm still not sure if that's a great play because I would rather have the layup. But like it just speaks to how much confidence they have in Pascal. Of course, Pascal switched in and. Um, you know, that's been a great development. Pascal had 26 points over the first three meetings against the Celtics this season. Today, he had 25. Team high as well. So, uh, great. And also, I mean, speaking of Pascal's confidence, I mean, uh, there was one stretch in the third quarter there where Pascal got Kyrie on a switch. He looked at him. He's like, you know what? I could take Kyrie. And it's like, it's not like Kyrie's a great defender or whatever, although he's been defending very well this year. But uh, Pascal looked at Kyrie and was like, I'm going to take him. In fact, I'm going to make a point of scoring your team's best player. And, uh, you know, the first attempt, you know, Kyrie sort of thwarted him. He kind of reposted. And then he went right back at him and scored. And it was just nice to see. It's nice to see that type of confidence. Um, you know, Pascal obviously not backing down from anybody. So, Pascal was great. Uh, I thought Serge was really good as well. Um, 14 points in 20 minutes, 6-7 shooting. Hit two threes. Uh, the threes are massive for Serge because I think he was like 3 of 30 in the last couple of games. So, for him to switch two threes is very unlikely, and the fact that he did it is... He's like, we know he can shoot threes. It's just, honestly, it hasn't really been a point of practice for him. Like, he's been hitting that mid-range shot a lot, although teams are sort of taking that away from him as well. So, you know, if that's the case, then okay, and you got to step up to the three-point line and hit him, and today he hit two threes. Really efficient overall. The one thing about uh, Ibaka is um, over the course of these four games against the Celtics, we're split 2-2 now in the season series, um, 
Ibaka has averaged 19.5 points per game on 60% shooting. And he is, I would say, outplayed Al Horford. Now, Horford has had some great moments as well. And Horford does a different role than uh, what Ibaka does. Horford is more like, a, it's like a more mobile, you know, Marcus Gasol. But that's actually really nice, man. Because the Celtics' big advantage is really that they have Horford, who's such a dynamic player in the front court. But, uh, and, and, you know, he's really good against uh, the Bucks. He's really good against Embiid or whatever. But, I mean, Ibaka's consistently played Horford really well. And the fact that the Raptors can consistently get offense out of Ibaka in this matchup. Because the one thing is with the Celtics is that they're interchangeable defensively, but they're also kind of small. And Ibaka sort of exploited them uh, based on his size. And his finishing around the basket isn't really good. So, that's a, it's been really encouraging watching Ibaka against the Celtics. That's, I mean, Ibaka doesn't play that well against everybody. But if he can play, like, if he can give you 20 against the Celtics, like, man. Like, it doesn't even matter how much Kyle scores. It really doesn't, right? Because you got Siakam who can score, you got Kawhi who can score, and you got Ibaka who can score. Like, you know, that's the formula that worked for the Raptors really well early in the season. It was They got so much scoring out of their front court, and uh, they were able to execute that formula against the Celtics really well. Um, Kawhi, by the way, also played, which is good. Um, 21 points in 26 minutes, really efficient, 9 of 15. Uh, hit a pull-up three in the third quarter there. You know, had four assists, six rebounds, you know, solid all-around game. Had a couple shifts defensive against Kyrie. Every time Kyrie saw Kawhi, he's like, nah, I'm good. Someone else could take the ball. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you know, he he doesn't fully have the same explosion. Like, there's one drive where he's trying to, you know, slalom through the lane in the second quarter and uh, pushed off. He jumped off his right leg, which is the one he hurt last year. And uh, he was going up against Tice at the rim. And he only went for a layup instead of a dunk. Which, you know, I was like, ah, okay, maybe the explosion's not there. But then later in the game, like, you know, there's that one thing where Kawhi does where he's sort of, like, dribbling, like, really hard against the ground. And then he starts hopping with the along with the dribble to sort of get his rhythm. And whenever he does that, I feel like he always sits a jumper right afterwards. It's just really, um, it's, anyway, it's just really encouraging to see uh, Kawhi back in the lineup, obviously. You know, the, the load management thing has sort of been uh, a, a point of contention or whatever. And, you know, I, look, the... The Magic game was admittedly very strange why he was resting that one. But, look, if he can come back and deliver these types of performances, he got no complaints. He really got no complaints. By the way, sneaky thing. Shout out my guy, uh, Shanker, for uh, pointing this out. But uh, Uncle Dennis, uh, in attendance, in attendance, sitting courtside with uh, the CEO of Cargo Jet. So, you know, making some connections. That's that's good. That's good. I, I think that can only help the Raptors. I, I don't know if like he's gonna resign here because his uncle's friends with a guy from Cargo Jet, but uh, it's something, you know. It's something. But uh, a- anyway, uh, the one guy that I should should have really started the podcast talking about is Kyle Lowry, who I thought this was one of Kyle Lowry's best games of the year. Now he only had seven point six rebounds, eleven assists, but like you can't measure, you can't look at Kyle like that. You just have to look at it in terms of. Um, the way he sort of impacts and sets the tone and the way he leads this team, right? You got one, you got on one end, you got Kyrie Irving looking mad surly, uh, you know, not really making an effort to take over this game whatsoever. And then you got another and Kyle Irving working his ass off and, and playing incredible defense. And, um, you know, the Celtics kept trying to switch and put Lowry in the post. Like, are you dumb? Like, seriously, like, are you dumb? Like Kyle was very, very good in post defense. And every time the Celtics did it, they, they failed. Um, but for some reason, they just kept going to it. And every time they missed, Kyle would grab the rebound, go the other way. And, uh, 
you know, launch a fast break. And Kyle was just so good in organizing the team and setting the tempo of the team. He ended up playing 35 minutes because he played significant minutes with the bench and also with the starters. But a lot of that was just, you know, like, it's not even like Nick Nurse overplayed Larry. It was just Larry was so good. He kind of, like, demanded, like, to be on the floor. Like, it, it, it his his performance demanded that he was on the floor. Um, Kyle was, was really, really good. And, um, you know... Again, if you can have your front court scoring like this, you got 25 from Siakam in 30 minutes, 21 from Kawhi in 26 minutes, 14 from Serge in 20 minutes. Then you don't need that many points from Kyle. And uh, Kyle can just sit back and be a distributor, and it's great to see. It's really great to see. I mean, the whole game was, was really fun. In terms of your three stars, Kyle, number one star, just in terms of overall impact. Second star, I'm giving that to Pascal, 25 points. Uh, and then third star, Kawhi Leonard, 21 points. Um, oh, also one guy I should note is uh, Gasol. I look, I, I don't mean this. I, I don't mean this in like a vindictive way at all towards Jonas. Like I'm really happy that he's in Memphis and he's putting up numbers and he's getting a great chance to, you know, see the full extent. Like he's going to play 30 plus minutes, uh, you know, for the first time in his career. Him and Joakim Noah have actually been like a pretty nice pairing. And um, Valanciunas has had some great individual performances, and you know, some of that's coming a losing effort. Um, you know, it's it's not entirely his fault. Like this, the the Grizzlies are obviously not a great team, but. Um, there's been sort of like a lot of hand wringing, hand wringing already over this Gasol Valanciunas thing, and like I think it's it's very likely that Valanciunas will probably individually outperform Gasol for the remainder of the season. But like the Raptors didn't get Gasol um, for the raw production; they really didn't. They got him for the way he could be versatile against different matchups. And I think this is a good example of it. Like JV against Celtics this year, only played them twice, was a negative in both games was just, like, struggled really, really badly against Aaron Baines. Like, it was ugly to watch him play against the Celtics. He was really a non-factor against that team. Um, Whereas you got Gasol today, I mean, only five points, but obviously he wasn't trying to assert himself too much in terms of scoring because most of what he did was defending, which he did really well. Like, the Raptors bench defended really well, and Gasol was the anchor of that. And also, like, passing. The guy had eight assists. JV has never had eight assists in any game. He, Gasol had eight assists in 23 minutes, and the way he was helping the rest of the team sort of just, especially that bench unit, which really does need playmaking and direction. Like, Gasol was really, really important as the back line there, and he was very, very much playable. And I'm not saying JV was unplayable against the Celtics, but he just wasn't as effective. You know, JV is really good when he can play his game. When you got a team that can't really guard, pick, and roll, JV is going to carve that team apart. Um, but on against good defensive teams... Um, who can also stretch the floor a little bit. Like, Baines was hitting jumpers against JV. Like, it was kind of weird to see. Um, you know, you'd probably rather have a guy like Gasol, who's much more dynamic, uh, who can sort of facilitate for the rest of the team. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that Gasol had a good game against the Celtics, whereas JV just has struggled against the Celtics this year. And so, you know, like, again, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think so far, admittedly, Gasol has been a little bit less than, um, you know, what the Raptors thought they were getting. So far, I mean, it's only been like four games. Um, but in any case, like, you know, this is a good example why they get Gasol. The guy had eight assists in 23 minutes as a center. That's that's really impressive. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award, uh, this is... I don't even know, man. It didn't feel like any Celtic played well tonight. Like, nobody. Um... If I had to pick one, I guess I would go with Jalen Brown because he had 10 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals. But that kind of almost 
I don't know. I didn't feel like it was that good. But uh, to be honest, nobody on the Celtics was that. And, you know, I'll give it to uh, Robert Williams the third, aka Time Lord. Um, their own version of Bebe, American Bebe, eight points, four rebounds. You know, had a pretty good dunk. So that that's that's about that's about the only highlight for the Celtics tonight was that Robert Williams the third had a good dunk. I mean, it's a good game, man. It's a damn good game. The Raptors made a good statement, a big statement, really. Um, and you know, there's gonna be a lot of conversation about how the Celtics are dysfunctional, and I get that. That that's gonna be the main lead for most shows tomorrow morning. But I mean, damn, the Raptors look damn good, and especially defensively, this is the type of defensive potential that the Raptors have, and uh, I hope they continue to play at this level going forward, man. Because uh, you know, this is this is a team that we expect to see. I mean, I don't expect them to see like destroy the Celtics by twenty plus points all the time, but. This is the type of potential we see in this team, and uh, that's why people get disappointed when they lose the Magic and stuff, because, like, they're clearly better than that. Anyway, that does for the podcast. I'll be back on Friday to recap the Portland game. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.